Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Hello, everybody. I'm Dean Linky with an official welcome to the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. It begins today and runs through Sunday, January 15 through the 19. Three more special guests on this Wednesday release edition to welcome you to the convention in Baltimore. We kick things off with Ian Barker, the Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches. He will have a field session on Quick Goal Demo Field 2. The breakdown is small-sided games to improve goal scoring. Who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love a great welcome from Ian Barker? Wrapping up our show will be one of two Hall of Famers going into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. Dr. Jay Martin will be with Shellis Heinemann. They'll have a special session on 2.30 that I'll MC. You'll enjoy hearing from Dr. Jay Martin. And sandwiched between those two fine gentlemen, right in the middle, we're so pleased to have Amanda Ferranti. She was recently featured in Soccer America. She's the owner of Ferranti Empowerment with years of experience as a certified mental performance consultant. She'll have two sessions, one on Thursday, developing mentally fit athletes in an unfit world, the influence of mental health on peak performance for the I generation. That's on Thursday. Then on Friday, another great session called Insight from the Mind and Heart of the I Generation, a frontline report of effective coaching strategies for peak performance. That session is on Friday. She is an amazing woman indeed. You're going to want to check that out. Up first, Ian Barker, Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches, gets us started here in Baltimore. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. I am Dean Linky, and this is the best week of the year. The world's largest soccer show, the United Soccer Coaches Convention, begins today. That's right, as we release this early to welcome you into the convention in Baltimore. It'll run through Sunday. And as we've done in years past, we kick off with the man who will have the first on-field session. Of course, that's the Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches, a job He's held since February 2012, a friend of the program, Ian Barker. Ian, thanks for kicking off this week's Convention Welcoming Podcast. Thank you so much. Dean, good to, good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and with that, I'll let you do the opening welcome to coaches, young and old, men, women, you name it. It's, we cover it all, right? Yeah, I think um, I think if people, if people can make it out to Baltimore, be it a day or be it the entire four or five-day experience, um, you can be the most humble of grassroots coaches in your opinion, or you can be as big time as you think you are. Um, so you'll find, you'll find, uh, sessions to watch. You'll find, uh, meetings to attend, awards, banquets, and ceremonies to go to, um, a robust exhibitor show. But, but most importantly, from my perspective, um, a really good slate of field sessions and classroom sessions 
designed to improve all of our understanding and learning and sharing about the game. Um, and ultimately, with the uh, with the thought of improving the player's experience, I think is the uh, is what we're probably trying to do. So, be it at the grassroots level or even at the highest level of professional soccer, um, you know, typically pretty happy athletes, um, inspired athletes, motivated athletes will lead to better performance. And typically, the director of coaching education does the first on-field session. But before we get to that, and I love the name of the session, small-sided games to improve goal scoring, what what coach isn't going to get excited about that? I mean, what athlete's not going to get excited about that? But I do think it's important, Ian, and you mentioned it the last time we talked to you a couple months before you went on the road to do all that you do, and that is all of the work that goes into it. And I feel like a lot of us show up, we soak it all in, it's incredible, but we forget that it took months and months and months of work to get us there with great staff, great volunteers, you name it, all hands on deck, right, Ian? Absolutely. I mean, I think if you were, if you were going to just find a couple of names to point to, you'd mention Jeff Van Dusen, who is the uh, Director of Operations and Events for, for us, and then his two primary staff members, Erica Dyer and Andrew Dare. Those, those three people by far and away bear the biggest brunt, but it is definitely shared across perhaps scores, if not, um, you know, over a hundred people of, of convention managers and directors who are not full-time with the association, but either volunteer their time or come in on an independent contract, contract basis. And then we know where the convention's going to be for perhaps the next 10 to 12 years, um, spread between Baltimore, Philly, Chicago, Anaheim, and Kansas. And so when you plan literally a decade out, you're not only pre- preparing for the for the next convention, which has already begun for Anaheim in 2021, you're working on the current one, and then you're projecting out, you know, years in advance. So it's a, it's a really significant um, commitment, and until you've been on this side of it, you don't appreciate what conventions, conferences, and the things that we like to go to as members of various associations you don't really appreciate it until you see it from the from the backside, um, and there's a ton of work, but it's a little bit like um, the notion of a duck or a, a, a swan on the surface of a lake. It looks pretty smooth generally on the surface, but there's a lot of kicking and paddling going on underneath. That is a great analogy. As I mentioned earlier, I'm super excited about your opening session. Small-sided games to improve goal scoring. At the end of the day, you got to score goals to win games, right, Ian? What made you pick yeah. this session to open things up? Well, I think this is the eighth time I've had to do the session, and um, you run the risk of people saying, seen it before, or you did this last year. So you try to come up with something a little different. My thought this time was um, it's the first session. Um, there'll be, there should be quite a few people there. Why not start with hopefully seeing the ball hit the back of the net? So we'll stress the goalkeepers out, but we'll try to we'll try to get some goals in in that one hour, and then rather than um, for one of a better expression drills, um, just to put them into competitive games. So everything I'm going to plan on doing will involve two big goals, two goalkeepers, and then um, a variety of uh, even numbers or numbers up, numbers down situations. So um, it'll be six activities. Each will probably be familiar in some capacity to the audience, but the idea is these are six of my favorites. And then I think the biggest thing with, with doing a field clinician is trying to give people an insight into what I'm thinking. Now, whether they agree with what I'm thinking, they like it, they want to take it, they want to tweak it, 
or they want to abandon it. I'm very comfortable with all of that. But rather than just watching the session, to be honest, it's a little bit more like getting inside of the head of the clinician and to see why he or she particularly likes the activity and do it the way they do it. So that's what I'm going to try to give in the 55 to 60 minutes I've got. We've got it Wednesday, January 15, 5 to 6. It'll be at Quicko Demo Field 2. That's Demo Field 2, small-sided games to improve goal scoring. And by then, uh, even before then, you've already probably met with a ton of coaches, and there's meetings, and then another meeting, and another session to go to. I mean, it is jam-packed, right, from January 15 right through the 19th. Yeah, so um, I think there's about five of us in the office today of the 30 of us that would normally be here. Um, and so most of the staff is already on site. I arrived on Tuesday. I begin with um, helping Dr. David Carr with the master's degree from a high university that we, we co-brand. So these are people that are somewhere between day one or uh, two years into their master's degree. That will be my Tuesday and then Wednesday is the Master Coach Diploma with Delaware. And then there's a Board of Directors meeting of the association, which I'm expected to attend lunchtime on Wednesday. And then somewhere in there in the uh, evening, I've got to get, to get to set up the field for the opening session. Um, and then interesting, this year, my colleague Vince Gansberg tonight, Monday night, um, begins the National Diploma. So we've actually embedded within the entire convention the opportunity for people to attend the convention and over the course of the week through the lion's share of their uh, national deployment. So um, we've got a lot of, lot of moving parts right now. Yeah, you teased that uh, a couple months ago, and I think you felt like it was important to add a high-level education to the convention experience. Remind us why you thought that was so important, Ian. Well, I think everything we're trying to do in coaching education is to honor the financial and time commitment of the learner. So. I don't think we have any shortage of enthusiasm for people that want to come and get education, but increasingly um, it's expensive with flights and hotels and things like that, and it's also expensive in terms of time away from your real job, be that soccer or otherwise, and from family. So if we could find a way where a person who aspires to get a, a diploma like the National um, could get a double benefit by coming to the convention, we thought that was a good idea. And you know, there's a similar initiative in our master coach deployment with the University of Delaware. This year, um, people will enjoy getting our master coach diploma, a postgraduate certificate from the University of Delaware, and a Scottish FAC license conducted in Scotland. And so that's another example of a, how we're sort of bundling educational opportunities to honor, again, that the time and financial commitment of the coaches. I'm going to put you on the spot with this one, but uh, you started in February 2012, and it might be tough to pick out just one or two, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What have been, like, one or two of your highlights during your reign as Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coach Ian Barker? In, in just in general terms, I will, I, I'm very grateful to the association for the opportunities it's given me to travel um, around the country and, and around the globe and interact with with the A to Z of the soccer population. But obviously, when you get to sit down with, with Rafa Benitez or Carlos Alberto Pereira or um, you spend time chatting with Sir Alex Ferguson or Roy Hodgson, those are, those are, from a personal professional point of view, those are really, those are really great. Um, by the same token, you go to grassroots courses and you find 
coaches, uh, mum and dad coaches, who are really grateful for an hour of sharing and insight. So I, I, it really does run the gamut in that respect. In terms of the convention, um, certainly people you see, shoulders you rub, but I, I'll give a shout-out to um, the late Dick Bate and the late Tony DiCicco because the last six, seven years, I've done my session and then I've got to sit back and watch Tony DiCicco, Dick Bate, people like that, um, who are just superb clinicians at a level, with all due respect to myself, above myself. And both Tony and Dick passed away in the last couple of years, and we've been able to use the convention as a celebration of their lives and and honor their work. So that's just another personal one um, that sort of resonates with me because those are great people you meet, but inevitably, um, you know, we all we all suffer our own mortality. So that was a, that was a thought there. I feel like you can do this better than anybody. If you just had one or two sentences to describe the impact the convention makes on, as you said, a novice coach to an expert coach, what would those two sentences sound like? The open-minded coach who is committed to learning, um, they will come away from the convention feeling better about their involvement in soccer. One of the things I love about you is podcast role will be there. I feel like behind the scenes, you were a big person pushing that. You're on all the podcasts, probably on the other ones even more than mine. Sometimes I get a little jealous about that, Ian, but it's incredible, these podcasts that are out there talking about our sport almost every single week, some of them almost every day. How does that make you feel? Yeah, so definitely, definitely exciting, and I love the innovation and, and credit to Jeff and his staff. I mean, at one end, you have the, the higher profile, the more mainstream, if you will, podcasts like your one. Um, I do a lot with Glenn Crooks and Sirius Radio, so he'll be there, so that should be a radio show. Um, but there's some really cool podcasts which now appeal to different types of audiences. So some, uh, there's one um, by the guys called the Cooligans, who are two stand-up comedians who just love soccer. And theirs is a little bit more irreverent and a little bit more off the cuff. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, I'll probably be on about six or seven podcasts. With all due respect to all of them, sometimes it's difficult to keep them all straight. Um, <laughs> but as soon as I get there, and I and I see the presenter who I've seen before, and I remember my interaction with him or her, um, I, I remember pretty quick, but it's a bit difficult at times. Um, but I think they're really fun, and I think they, they mean that the um, convention can be something of a legacy item for people. They can almost go back to those podcasts. And those people that can't um, get to the convention have at least at least that access um, and then subsequent access through the things we record and video and stuff like that. But um, if, if we're not relevant in that social media space these days, be it Twitter, Instagram, um, certainly podcasts, um, we'd be missing the boat. And it's a credit to the association that we're nimble enough and uh, inclusive enough to welcome the podcasts, um, which are almost exclusively positive, but occasionally... Um, they can be critical of something, and I think if you're confident in yourself and you're willing to um, put yourself out there, which is what the convention does, um, you open yourself up to praise, but also the occasional constructive criticism. Outstanding. Always a pleasure. Ian Barker, the Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches. He'll have that great session to kick off our field sessions, 5 o'clock on Wednesday. Ian, we'll see you in Baltimore. Thanks for kicking off this week's special early edition as we welcome everybody to the convention in Baltimore. Thanks for being our lead-off, Ian. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. I'll see people in Baltimore.
Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. This is our convention issue, which will be released Wednesday morning. The convention will start on Wednesday and run through Sunday in Baltimore. Always great to be back in Baltimore. And as we've been doing the last several shows, talking to featured presenters, and I want to thank Ian Barker for kicking things off. Of course, Ian Barker will also kick things off with the first on-field presentation on Wednesday night. We are so pleased to be joined by Amanda Ferranti. She is a certified mental performance consultant. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we talk to her about not one but two sessions she'll be doing on Thursday and Friday, respectively. Amanda is the owner of Ferranti Empowerment with years of experience as a certified mental performance consultant for youth athletes, teams, and coaches. She is also a Princeton alum, former pro soccer player, and U.S. Development Academy coach, which has inspired her to develop a unique integrated training program for young soccer players. From personal and professional experiences, Amanda understands the importance of emotional management and is a passionate advocate using sports to improve the mental health of this young generation. That is so important. Now, as part of her journey, she has co-founded Compete Well Media, that's Compete Well Media, and she's also co-authored a player's workbook to help make brain training more accessible for players and integrative for coaches. We'll talk a little bit about that workbook as well and where you can find it. Amanda, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're delighted to have you, and we're delighted that uh, you will be on a panel not once but twice. Let's yeah. get to the first one. The name of the panel that will be held on Thursday from 4 to 5.30 in the Convention Center 314 and 315. Again, that's Thursday, 4 to 5.30, Convention Center 314 and 315, is called Developing Mentally Fit Athletes in an Unfit World, the Influence of Mental Health on Peak Performance for the I Generation i tell you what, sometimes long titles throw you off. This one does yeah. not. It says, it says a lot, Amanda. So at its core, talk about the title yeah. and what you hope to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. So um, my colleague Lauren Gallagher and I, you know, we've thought a lot about this. We work very closely with young athletes, and um, we really wanted to find a way to inspire coaches to evolve their coaching methodology. So this is a, it's not it's not a panel it's going to be a round table and it's going to be experiential learning which we thought would would communicate what we do the strategies that we use a little more clearly so the coach instead of sitting up there with a powerpoint we're going to have them engage in an activity and Lauren and I as coaches are going to demonstrate what we do with these young young athletes today and um, at the end, we're we're going to address the changes that we've seen in the I generation, not only um, neurologically uh, and scientifically within their brains and their biology, but also culturally what's going on in the soccer landscape today. So kind of, and all of this is with the intention of them performing better and coaches having a more successful team. So that was kind of the title we had here. 
addressing the changes in the world and hopefully inspiring coaches to take a, maybe just evolve a little bit, a little activity here and there to change their coaching. When you hear the word I generation, some people, they don't necessarily roll their eyes, but they're like, yeah, it's bad. You know, you can't go anywhere without people just looking down at their phones and that type of thing. So as you throw that word out there, what does it mean and how do we maybe change the way we are, all of us, young and old? Yeah, so the I generation, not only is it I because it's kind of focused on the ego, this I sense of self, um, but it's also I as an iPhone, the Internet generation, right? Um, I think... It's important just not to deny the changes, the natural changes that are happening. We can't ignore those, and the answer is not to stop, right? It's it's figuring out how to meet this generation halfway, right? So how to to come together, how to develop their skills. And and, uh, I think what you're saying, too, is that we all – We all have become a part of this world, right, and this I generation, and we need to learn, I think, do a lot of work on ourselves, and that's one thing I do want to talk a lot about at the convention, that one of, I think one of the things that changed my coaching, helped my coaching evolve the most, is by working on my own emotional management, because a lot is being thrown at us now. It's it's exhausting, right? The amount of emails, the work, the the pressure that we're getting as coaches from the parents and from the organizations to win and and make sure we're servicing the kids better. Um, that's a it is a lot, and I find myself exhausted at training. Not to mention the amount of energy that I feel like I have to spend connecting with every athlete there. So I felt like the best the best gift I gave myself professionally was to figure out my emotional management. How to how to manage this stress, how to stay calm, and also how to set boundaries. Because I think that's like I think people with the internet and with uh, social interactions, they can cross boundaries very easily, and it's very important to set uh, set policies and standards and to adhere to those. And if we can do those as adults, I think then the, our athletes can learn that. And that's important for them, too, because they, they don't actually get that. They're growing up in a world where there really is there's very limited boundaries. It's very easy, you know, to in, impose on someone else's life and do it kind of faithless, too. Now, based on your background, I'm certain, in fact, if not 100% certain, that after 90 minutes, people will be equipped with what I'll call extension programming, places to go to learn more about becoming mentally fit athletes in an unfit world. But after 90 minutes, if there are just two or three bullet points that you definitely want to leave with those that maybe can't do that extended coverage, what are the two or three key points you want to hit in this topic, developing mentally fit athletes in an unfit world? I think it's be patient and slow down. Take take what we're saying, and, and it's okay to change. You know, so, yes, you can go out and learn the the nuts and bolts of it, like, you know, okay, we're going to establish a culture, we've got the mindset, the the routines, the self-assessment, and, yeah, you can find that information everywhere. But what I want to say is it, it's okay to to be vulnerable, first of all, and let your guard down. It's okay for soccer coaching to look differently, and it, and it almost has to, and I – I don't know if this story helps, but I, I laugh sometimes. Uh, I wonder what parents are, or people think when they're watching my training session because it doesn't look, 
it's not like always high, a high pace, you know, things, girls running in lines and, and doing all their drills. I do, I spend a lot of time on conversation and I feel like I'm able to influence change faster. So I think that's one of the things, um, I would highly stress. And that second point I made before is work on yourself, you know, and these are things, uh, there's, it's not rocket science. It just takes a little bit of time and it, and it is challenging you to kind of let your ego down a little bit, you know, and, and except we don't know all the answers. We don't necessarily, we're not coaching players in the environment that we were raised in. I'm going to read a quote from you, Amanda, that um, I think is quite interesting, and then I want you to expound on it. And this you can find at Ferranti Empowerment, her website. And this is Amanda talking. She says, quote, as a competitive athlete, I value commitment, discipline, passion, and creativity, which has, without a doubt, fueled my professional endeavors. When working with clients, my philosophy is to make strong connections with individuals in an effort to empower them with the requisite mental skills for goal achievement and sport enjoyment. I also know mm-hmm. from experience of both achievement and adversity that the mental skills learned through sport can be applied to stressors that come academically, socially, and at home. Isn't that the truth? That's my yeah. comment there. Finally, I am particularly drawn to working with youth athletes as they journey through a critical time in their development and, quote, I like that you're drawn to youth athletes because that's our future mm-hmm. in every shape, form, yeah. whether it's on the field or in the boardroom. What was your draw there? It's a lot of science, actually, because our brains are still developing at that age. You know, these kids, they're learning. They're very innocent. And I know at around 12 years old, that brain is starting to um, become more sophisticated and understand hypothetical thinking. And that is when the issues start to happen. So the thoughts can go negative and, and we start to have these uh, rigid expectations and the emotions become more difficult to manage. So I felt like I, I could help a player right then and there. Like I think sometimes we're afraid, and this is another point I would say to coaches uh, in your previous question, we're afraid to teach these what seem to be complex um, concepts. Like, I teach them the physiology of their brain, you know, what happens to their body with emotions, and they understand it, especially in this generation who are information seekers. They actually do much better with the knowledge. So I think my drive also with that, so I felt like uh, young players could learn better and faster, and they're proving to me they can because my sessions um, are eight weeks, eight sessions, my package, and then – the other thing was I I wished I had the education at that point to mm-hmm. set me up for college. Um, I tore my ACL when I was in high school. I just felt like I needed a little help in the sport context, you know, instead of going to a therapist to help me with that, like someone who understood and could give me skills. I, I wanted to learn. I didn't necessarily want to just kind of talk. I wanted action plans. And that's kind of what I meant about my personality. I'm very driven. I want I want activities. I want this to look like a training session. And so once I started with the players, with the younger players, I was hooked because they were learning, and and it was lasting. They were now developing self-regulation skills. I think it's much harder to work with adults, and I have worked with adults, and I I can definitely tell the difference. 
because we're trying to unwind and rewind, like, all these habits. Yeah, well, and Amanda, your drive is going to be visible at the convention because we just mentioned this Thursday session from 4 to 5.30. Mm -hmm. You're not done, though. On Friday, from 11 to 12, this will be in the convention center, 339, 340, 341. It'll be 11 a.m. to 12 noon. Again, that's Friday, January 17th, 11 to noon. Convention Center Rooms 339, 340, 341. Now, check out this headline for this, uh, I guess, is this a round table or panel? What do you call this one, Amanda? This, this one's a panel. This is a panel. Okay. All right, so this panel will be called Insight from the Mind and Heart of the I Generation, a frontline report of effective coaching strategies for peak performance. And that will speak to all of the coaches, as you know, 10,000-plus will be there. So they'll actually have what I call, you know, walkable information to go forward with. And I'm going to repeat it. Insights from the mind and heart of the I generation, a frontline report of effective coaching strategies for peak performance. So break down what you want to accomplish in that one hour. Yeah. So this is so fun. This was um, an idea I had that I presented to United Soccer Coaches of bringing one of my players. Um, to sit on the panel, and I think it's the first time ever having a player up there in one of the presentation sessions, and um, she's going to give a little insight from her perspective on what helped her um, through her journey, and I think she, she's got a great story from my perspective. Uh, when I first met her, just riddled with frustrations, and I felt like it held her back, and then lucky enough, her parents um, contacted me to work with her, and her transformation is remarkable. You know, she's had such a great deal of success. She's committed to college. She plays for the Dominican Republic national youth national team. Um, and I am super excited to hear her speak. And uh, with me there, I'm just going to supplement her, really, and and confirm what it is my approach, what it is I did to work with her, but also then to tie it in with the work that I do with teams. So. And then we have Bill Bestwick involved, which is an amazing, um, uh, I, I, I just so, um, what does it say? I'm so honored that he joined us. You know, I had spoken with him in the past years and we kept in touch and, um, he's going to give insight from the generational changes and, and some of the things he's seeing with his coaches that he works with now. So hopefully we can, again, with the same objective of help these coaches to feel more comfortable evolving their methodology and not just going by what we've learned. And I think that's how I am personally, what we've learned in the classroom. Like, I like to step out a little bit and think on my own and think, like, you know what? These kids are changing, so don't we think we need to change a little bit ourselves? Amanda, I want you to break down as uh, I go through Ferranti Empowerment. I'm very impressed with your website and your message Thank and your you. direction. And it's very, yeah, it's very welcoming for sure. And I'm drawn to the mental skills part because it's mental skills consulting for yeah. not just athletes but for teams and organizations. So break down the difference because you've got individuals, you've got teams, and you even have organizations. How do you help all three categories? Yeah, so individuals. Um, I have developed a emotional management process um, that I've written. It's pretty tangible, right? I have um, a copyright on that and was able to put it into – I have everything on worksheets. So I was able to create this workbook for individuals and 
Um, they come in and we really focus on the, um, on their personal journey. Then with teens, it, it depends. So I work with Adelphi University and we, um, we focus on really the ultimate goal of becoming cohesive. So dealing with any sort of obstacles that he may be experiencing, whether it's through communication or even it could be that emotional management, um, individually and how that, um, maybe is at the root of conflict. So a lot of conflict management with the group. Um, and then organizations, it's more of work, it's more of workshops. So working with, um, I guess I won't say, but like soccer organizations going in and um, doing talks for the coaches, maybe doing talks for the parents or working directly with the kids, just giving basic education on what mental self-training is, whatever the topic I want to cover. I'm not sure. And also on my website, if you're also mentioning this, I have this whole concept of integrated soccer training. So what that is is me combining my role as a soccer coach and a, a mental coach and going on the field and teaching teaching these mental skills while we're playing. So creating drills and breaking down, like it's a very slowed down version of soccer training. That's the way I look at it. Kind of putting them into moments that I think are stressful and then getting the players to interact with me and and report what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what's happening within their body, teaching them skills on how to overcome that, and then, you know, continuing the process. So pleased to be spending time with Amanta Ferranti. She's a certified mental performance consultant with Ferranti Empowerment. We told you about her two sessions. She's got one on Thursday called Developing Mentally Fit Athletes in an Unfit World, the Influence of Mental Health on Peak Performance. For the I generation, that's 4 to 5.30. Then on Friday, she runs it back with a session called Insight from the Mind and Heart of the I generation, a frontline report of effective coaching strategies for peak performance. Now, Amanda, reminding you that when I read your intro, it does say as part of your journey, you've co-founded Compete Well Media, and you co-authored mm-hmm. a player's workbook to help make brain yeah. training more accessible for players and integrated for coaches. What's the name of that workbook or where can we find it? Yeah, so that is brand new and I'm very, very proud to have just, I'm at the finishing touches of um, this workbook. So as I mentioned, I, um, I, I made a workbook for my individual clients, but I thought this would be great. My colleague, Sean McManus, you know, contacted me and, and said, like, let's make this workbook accessible to players and coaches without having a consultant there because we all know it's, it's kind of difficult to figure out how to integrate a sports psychologist or this kind of aspect to the program, not only with time but finances. So like, let's, let's put it in a workbook because that's the most effective way anyway to get them to do the work. So uh, we created this foundations book because it will be a series of three because it's a lot of training, and, and this it's centered on developing really good, healthy routines, right, knowing what you did well, a breathing routine, gratitude, values, um, setting goals. And the book is called Own Who You Are because we're trying to – we want kids to really get more connected with themselves and understand what's at the foundation. And both Sean and I believe that at the foundation is our character and our values and our, our basic survival skills of breathing. Um, and that right now, we will be at the convention. Um, let me get something here. We have a booth. 
and oh forgive me I don't have that booth off the top of my head but the booth is compete well and sync it up sports uh, will be combined and you can actually get the workbook right then and there um, do a pre-sale and then we also have a website competewell.com okay the booth is number 761 all right well done all right 761 and then she also told you about the book now we've covered this a little bit but i always feel like repetition is a great source to truly lock things in and it's clear that uh in reviewing your incredible background that you believe that the teachings of sports psychology can offer tangible effective ways to develop emotional management skills achieve your goals and experience confidence and satisfaction in the process. You're talking to everyone there, aren't you, Amanda? Yeah. I mean, you, you can help more than just athletes, right? Uh, absolutely. In fact, I do. I'm starting to work with um, – I, I joined with a group, and they are trying to help uh, professional players transition into their careers. So I can absolutely work with anybody. I mean, it's it's taking the teachings of sports psychology. Every, and most things are performance related. As long as it's performance related, yes, you can you can benefit from these skills. I ask you that because it's a powerful time right now to be a female in athletics. Of course, the U.S. Women's World Cup is doing amazing things, and they're also doing some stuff off the field to try to get to a level playing field. But for you, it's more than just working with girls, right? You'll also work with boys, too, right, young athletes? Absolutely. Yep. It's pretty even. Okay. And then some of your success stories with college recruitment, regional national identification, confidence and determination, all three of those are important sort of staples in what you're doing, right? Absolutely. I think it is a balance. Yes, it's, yes I want ultimately for these players to be happy and healthy and confident, but they also have goals. And I, I really do hope to help them get to their goals. And I think when I work with players, that's part of my commitment is I, I want nothing more for them to achieve their goal. And that's, that's what my job is, is to help them get there. And I'm getting there through addressing some of these emotional and cognitive issues that they may be having. And it might not even be issues. They might, you might just want to train with me just to, just to train and refine and have good routines. You're doing so many amazing things. We're so glad you're going to share your wisdom at the convention and not one, but two sessions, also your booth and your book. If people want to work with you, Amanda, what's the best way to track you down? Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited for this opportunity. It's been one of my goals. So, um, Moving forward, if anyone wants to contact me, you can visit my website, ferrantiempowerment.com. You know, uh, email me at aferranti at gmail.com or call me directly at 631-213-7547. I think, I think a good start is to visit my website and kind of check out all the stuff we talked about, and all of my information is there. All right, Amanda Ferranti empowerment i feel you i can't wait i'm gonna yes, try to go to your session yeah well done amanda thanks for being a Thank part of this so year's much. convention and thanks Thank for being you. a part of the podcast yep we'll see you in baltimore All right, awesome. talk to you soon bye
How cool is Amanda? Pretty darn cool. Make sure you check out her sessions. And great to hear from Ian Barker about his opening field session on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. And don't forget as well, the United Soccer Coaches has always been about awards. They recognize the All-Americans, the great players, the great coaches, and the people that have left an indelible legacy. And two more members will go into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame, Shellis Hyman and Dr. Jay Martin. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use, everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think TeamSnap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that i found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Great for Ian Barker to kick off. You heard from other presenters. And as you know, if you've been around the convention at all, you often know they spend a lot of time recognizing great achievement, including Hall of Fame achievement, and of course, no doubt, Dr. Jay Martin is well-deserving of the Hall of Fame. I'm going to read directly from his Ohio Westland head coach bio that those fine sports admin folks wrote. It says, how broad is Ohio Westland head coach Dr. Jay Martin's record of service to soccer? Come up with any combination of level, high school, college, professional, and function, player, coach, administrator, and he's probably done it. Martin is the winningest coach in NCAA men's soccer history. He's the first men's soccer coach in any NCAA division to reach the 700-win mark. That's a lot of wins. That means a lot of love for what you do, and now a lot of respect because you're going into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. We'll start with that because I know the organization means so much to you because you also play such an instrumental role in the soccer journal. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, Dr. Jay Martin, you're in other Hall of Fames, but to get the call that you're going to be in the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame, how does that make you feel, Coach? My initial, initial reaction was uh, overwhelming emotion. I mean, I don't think any coach, at least I hope not, begins their career thinking about making it into a Hall of Fame like this. I think it just happens, and I honestly, I had no idea I was even in line to get in and certainly no idea that I would get in this year. So I remember calling my wife immediately after Jeff Farnsworth spoke to me, and I was really, really emotional, and um, because this uh, means an awful lot to me. Well, it means a lot to you because this organization means a lot to you, and it always has, right? Yes, I think so. I, I've, you know, I've been a, a member for 43 years, and I've been past president and honor award winner and all these other things. And uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, now the editor for a while of Soccer Journal. So, yes, this, this organization uh, uh, is, is important to me, and it's been very influential on my career. Now, soccer is not your only sport, though. You coached some lacrosse, and you did a couple other things at Ohio State as well. Talk about some of the other sports that you could have maybe won 700 games at. <laughs> I, uh, when I first came to Ohio West in my first nine years, I coached both soccer and men's lacrosse. In Europe, I coached and played professional basketball. Um, I was an assistant coach when I was getting my Ph.D. at Ohio State in both soccer and lacrosse. 
So I don't know if I could win 700 in any other sport, but but um, I'm I consider myself being a a, a coach, uh, not necessarily a soccer coach, but a coach, and um, I think that the experiences in those other sports has served me very well. You know, uh, listening to the podcast, just being around the convention, being around the Red Aprons, you know, a lot of folks talk about uh, their mentors, and a lot of those Red Aprons are actually mentors for so many young, successful coaches, male or female. As you sit right now, 700-plus victories later, who are two or three people that have played a big role in, in everything you've done in the sport? Well, I think I have to go back to my father, who was my first coach, and I try to be like him. I don't like people calling me Coach Dean because I don't think I've reached the level of my father and my high school basketball coach, John Barker. Those two men had tremendous influence on me. In terms of the United Soccer coaches, uh, Ray Seplick was my JV coach at Springfield College. Irv Schmidt was the varsity coach. I was not a good soccer player. I was, in fact, awful. But those two men showed me uh, through demonstration how to care about their athletes, how to coach, and they were very, 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 very influential. Jerry Yagley has been a, a role model for me and a very, very vocal and great supporter of Ohio Wesleyan, and even though we're Division Three, every time I'm at a clinic or a convention with him, he always speaks very highly of us. And I've, and he's been a real positive mentor in my, in my journey. I, I like that reference. Don't call me a coach because I know education is also really important to you. You've dedicated your, some of your life to um, still being a teacher too, right? At times, is that correct? That's correct. I'm a I'm a full professor here at Ohio Wesleyan. I teach. A full load in addition, full, full academic load in addition to my soccer um, coaching duties. I've been athletic director here. I have been chair of the physical education department. Um, so teaching is a very important part of my life and what I do. Going back to that question about your mentors, how cool is it, Dr. Martin, when you have former players, and in your case, even former students want to stay in touch with you, want to share some of their victories, maybe in some of their adversities in life. What about that role? How important is that one? It is becoming more important uh, every year, I think, Dean. When I was a young coach, uh, first of all, that didn't happen very very much, of course. But as I've gone through the coaching and teaching um, journey, it's been very, very important. In fact, my wife has made me – keep and save all of the emails and letters and so on that I've received over the past two years, and she's putting them in some kind of a notebook. But every time I I look at some of them, it, it brings a tear to my eyes. And I feel, as you know, a college professor doesn't make a whole bunch of money. So the things like the very positive comments from former players and, and, um, and students uh, is, is really, really important. Make no mistake, when you have a background like yours, both uh, on the athletic field, in academics, your ability as the editor for Soccer Journal, you could live and, and work about anywhere you wanted to, yet you chose my home state to call it home, Ohio, the home of good people, as I like to say. What is it about Ohio that has kept you there so long, Dr. Martin? Uh, well, my wife, of course. I mean, that's number, that's number <laughs> one. She... uh she owned a very, very lucrative and positive catalog company business, and 
although I've had many offers or positions, both athletic director, Division One coach, and so on and so forth at other places, uh, Joanne's career was very important to me, and having her be successful was very important. So, so here we are. And secondly, maybe is Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan is a great institution. The best thing about Ohio Wesleyan are the students, and um, it's just I, I every time I went out to look at another opportunity, Dean, it reaffirmed in my mind what a great place Ohio Wesleyan is, and I stayed. So too late for me to move now. <laughs> a lot of those uh, mentors you mentioned are already Hall of Famers or Honor Award winners or both. I mean, they're very successful people. You're going to be inducted with Shellis Heinemann, who is uh, also one of the all-time greats. And you'll be featured at a panel with Shellis that I have the great honor of emceeing, where hopefully you guys can go down memory lane and talk about the progression, the development of the game. Oh, my goodness, how much has changed since when you first started. But what's it mean to go in with Shellis? Interesting question. Shellis and I shared the cover of Soccer Journal back in, I believe it was 1981, when he was coaching in Illinois, and I, of course, was at Ohio Wesleyan. That year, we both won Coach of the Year honors, um, and they had uh, a, a sketch of us on the cover. So my relationship with Shell goes back quite a ways, and he is one of those guys that I've watched from afar and even closely, and I've taken a lot of information and a lot of his ideas with me to, to help me do what I do. So I'm very happy for Shellis, and I'm happy that we're going in together. I'm pretty sure if uh, we can get a copy of that sketch, you guys look exactly the same. I know Shellis uh, talks like he's going to keep on going for several years. I mean, he loves it. And here's a guy who left a little bit to go to Major League Soccer and missed the college game so much. And you clearly love it as well. I mean, you guys, you're not going anywhere, right? You're going to keep on chugging? I'm going to keep on chugging. I think uh, if my health stays in good shape as it is now, I see no reason to step down. And um, and my wife is uh, reaffirms that. She knows it will be about a week after retirement that she'll kick me out of the house. So she keeps telling me to go as long as I can. Well, talk about chugging. You think about the development of soccer. You're not too far from Columbus. You spent time at Ohio State. The Columbus crew has a team. Cincinnati has a team. In a couple of years, there will be 30 teams in Major League Soccer, a lot of them drawing massive crowds. Columbus is going to build a new stadium, which should change the game there. Cincinnati averaging 30,000 at what is simply called a makeshift stadium at the moment. When you think about where soccer is today, particularly on the professional level, the women winning back-to-back World Cups, hopefully the men getting back to where they belong, when you sit back and reflect on how big soccer now is in this country, how does that make you feel? Well, if I had anything to do with it, I'd feel good about it. And um, and I remember, Dean, I started here in, in the fall of 1977. And, of course, the World Cup in Argentina was in 78. And I, I, it was driving me crazy. I had just moved back from four or five years living in Germany, so it's all soccer information was readily accessible for me in Germany. And I couldn't even find the scores of the World Cup in Argentina at that time. And now we can see every single World Cup game, both men's and women's, live on on television. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible, the growth. 
I was actually on a Sirius FM show, the United States of Soccer, the other day, and it was all about college soccer and the recent MLS draft, which they downplayed just a little bit. And they asked me, you know, Dean, why are you so passionate about college soccer? A lot of people are saying that it's something that is passed us by, and I got really upset because college soccer at all levels, D1, D2, D3, junior college, has its place. And, and in fact, I even went on to say, Dr. J. Martin, that a couple of those players that got drafted in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them get a sniff from Mr. Burhalter down the road because they're that good. And, in fact, they're even more developed because they spent three, four years in college. You've got the floor. Talk about the importance of college soccer today. Well, I think, first of all, it's a tradition and it's a culture in this country. College sports are very, very important to the to the students, to the parents, to the communities. High school sports are very, very important to all of these people. So it's part of what we do in the United States. And ironically, I have a lot of friends in Germany, and they love our system. They don't have a system like this, as you well know, in Europe. And they think this is a, a great opportunity for young men and women who can get an education, get ready for life after soccer, and still play soccer at a reasonably high level. So it's very, 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 very important. And, you know, I look back at the kids, they're not kids any longer, the young men who played here, and I get invited to too many weddings, as you know. And when I look up at the groomsmen, uh, they're all Ohio Wesleyan soccer players, except for the bride's brother, who's always got to be in there. But other than that, and so the, the relationships that you make are lifelong relationships. And that doesn't happen when you become an apprentice soccer player at age 16 and then you're out of soccer at 24 with really nothing to do and no no education to move forward. So college soccer serves its purpose. Um, I think it's better than it was when I started at all levels, and um, I just think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. Well, one thing we hope that also doesn't go anywhere is Soccer Journal. The Soccer Journal you took over as editor in the early 2000s. It's another situation where you keep chugging along. Please tell me you're going to stay involved with the Soccer Journal. Again, as long as they want me, I will be here because I really enjoy it. It's I'm, I'm it's hard for me, you know, people always ask me, uh, Dean, why, you know, why aren't you just a soccer coach or, or whatever? And I would go crazy if I was just a soccer coach. I need other challenges. Te- teaching, soccer journal, camps, clinics, those are the types of things uh, that, that excite me, as well as coaching. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I look forward to getting on the field every single day. Well, I'm excited about Thursday, 2.30 to 3.30 at the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention. It's a Hall of Fame panel with Dr. Jay Martin and Shella Steinman. It'll be at the convention center, 3.39, 3.40, Jay, we already talked about the fact we're going to reminisce and talk about great moments, but for those people that are thinking right now about how to plan their Thursday, why should they come to that 2.30 to 3.30 session with you and Shella? Well, I think Jealous and I have done it, and we've been successful. And maybe during the, in the course of that hour in our conversation, we can shed some light to these younger coaches on how they can, in the end, uh, become better and more successful coaches. Uh, as I said, we've, we've done it, and we're both willing to share. All right. Dr. Jay Martin going in the Hall of Fame. He's got his Hall of Fame panel on that Thursday. 
Jay, thanks for all you do for soccer. Thanks for all you do for United Soccer Coaches. And I look forward to seeing you at that panel and also seeing you in Baltimore at the convention. Yep, me too, Dean. Thank you very much. Okay, I want to thank Dr. Jay Martin, also Ian Barker, the Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches, and our special presenter. She's got two sessions, one on Thursday and Friday, talking about Amanda Ferrante, a certified mental performance consultant, all good things. I'm Dean Linky. I'll be on Podcast Row pretty much all day Thursday, all day Friday. Stop by and see me. Stop by and get on the podcast. We'll evergreen a ton of the interviews. If you're in soccer, I want to talk to you. For Michael Knipper, Sean Chevrolet, and the entire gang at United Soccer Coaches, once again, I'm Dean Linky. See-